and my guy baby shower. Thankfully, they left Maddie off the invitation list. I'd never seen such a raunchy celebration for the birth of a baby. I admit, this invitation seemed a bit strange even for those guys. And they should have known better than to send me the invitation at work. It was too obvious. Otherwise, they'd done a pretty good job. Classy envelope and printing. Bizarre event. Nice restaurant. I decided to play it cool with them, never mentioning the invite. And for three full weeks, they kept cool, too, letting slip not so much as a sly grin. As the 24th approached, my anticipation grew, wondering what their fertile imaginations had conceived this time. Only one thing stood between the dinner and me. Maddie. Three 70-hour work weeks had already placed me deep in the doghouse with my other half, who chafed at even my usual 60-hour pace. I couldn't think how to justify a night out with the guys leaving her home again with Sarah, our daughter. Granted, it's hard looking after a 20-month-old by yourself all day and then all evening, too. Not to mention that Maddie ran a home graphics business on the side. If we had stayed in Chicago, either of our mothers could have helped her out with Sarah. Well, hers, anyway. My mother would have squealed at the chance to keep the baby, but staying at her house too often would probably have made Sarah... like me. Hopefully, the 300 miles between Cincinnati and Chicago sufficiently insulated my daughter from that fate. Maddie knew when she moved to Cincinnati with me and we married that I'd be working long hours. You can't have a job like mine and clock out at five. I can just imagine waving my hand at Jim, my boss, as I pass by his office on my way out. Sorry, man. Gotta go again. Maddie needs me at home at 5.30 to dice Sarah's vegetables. A few five o'clock departures and Jim would insist I stay home as a full-time nanny. I can see my resume now. Education. B.S. Chemistry. Northern Illinois University, 1996. MBA. Northwestern University, 2001. Work History Research Chemist, Abbott Laboratories, 1996-2000 to 2000. Corporate Planning Analyst, Abbott Laboratories, 2000-2002 to 2002. Director of Strategic Planning, Pruitt Environmental Testing, 2002-2005 to 2005. Nanny, 2005-present to present. Keeping my current job seemed preferable, despite the dangers it presented. Truth was, between the pile on my desk at work and Maddie's perpetual displeasure at home, getting away from both for an evening appealed to me. I just wondered whether Milano's knew what it was getting into with Les's and Bill's antics. The restaurant's problems were far from my mind, though, as I approached its parking lot. Maddie shouting into the cell phone, Nick, I might as well be a single parent for all you... were the last words I heard on the way over before static saved me. That was enough. I never had figured out how to rationalize my plans for the evening. In retrospect, I should have given her more than 20 minutes' notice. Blasting some REM while speeding down Anderson Ferry didn't completely drown my guilt, but it gave it a good dunking. I pulled the Explorer into the parking lot, cut the engine, and reached once more for the invitation, hoping it would give me one last hint about what to expect for the evening. It didn't. Suddenly... Nothing about this dinner seemed worth the cold shoulder I'd get from Maddie later on. I was here, though, and if the whole event was a washout, I could save face with Maddie by leaving early. Showing up at home sooner than expected at least once a month seemed to buy me a little grace. After the last three weeks, I needed some. Badly. 
Contingency plan in hand, I crossed the parking lot, breached the threshold, and glanced around the twenty or so tables. No guys with long hair and flowing robes. No guys from work, either. Chapter 2 The Seating Dinner for one, sir. The maitre d's appearance from behind the wine bar dashed my option of bolting before anyone noticed me. Sir? Dinner for one? No, I'm... I'm supposed to meet someone. I'm Nick Kaminsky. Ah, Mr. Kaminsky, right this way. He grabbed a menu and led me past the wood lattice that bordered the single dining room. The place hadn't changed since I'd brought Maddie for Valentine's two years back. Two staggered tablecloths, one white and one red, covered each of the tables. Large mirrors created the image of a side dining area. The windows on two sides of the room overlooked the Ohio River. I could see lights from the Kentucky side reflecting on the water. The current provided nice background noise, like those ocean CDs you can buy to help you sleep. Unfortunately, some lame Andrea Bocelli song that Maddie loved virtually drowned out the river. Tuesdays looked slow at Milano's. Guests occupied only four tables. I inhaled the smell of toasted bread as we passed an older party of six laughing at a front table. A couple in their early twenties held hands and made goo-goo eyes at each other in the far right corner, the guy oblivious to his shirt sleeve dangling in his ravioli. In the middle of the room, two weight-challenged women giggled as they plunged into a monstrous chocolate tort. And in the far corner on the left, a thirty-something man in a blue business suit sat by himself, perusing a menu. The maitre d' led me over to him. Rising from his chair, he stuck out his hand and firmly grasped mine. Nick Kaminsky, he said, hi, Jesus. In retrospect, a thousand comebacks were possible. Jesus H. Christ, so good to finally meet you. Are twelve-hour party missing? I didn't know they buried you in a suit. The absurdity of the scene, though, stunned me into silence. What do you say to that? The man and I continued shaking hands a little too long until I issued a weak, uh-huh. He released my hand and sat back down. My eyes caught the maitre d's. He quickly averted his glance and picked my napkin off my plate, cueing me to sit. He placed the napkin in my lap, handed me a menu, and with an enjoy your dinner, left me alone with... Thanks for meeting me, the man started. This probably wasn't the most convenient time for you, middle of the week. We stared at each other. Well, I stared. He resumed looking at his menu. He had an average build and was a little shorter than me, maybe five foot ten or so. His complexion toned olive, his hair dark and wavy, cut short and combed forward. His bushy eyebrows, Maddie would make me trim those, I thought, hung over deep eye sockets, and brown eyes dark enough that you couldn't quite tell where the iris ended and the pupil began. His slender nose and thinnish lips matched a chin that receded slightly, as if knowing it couldn't compete with the brows above. He wasn't GQ cover material, but he definitely spent more time in the gym than I did. His suit wasn't Armani, but it wasn't Discount Warehouse, either. He looked up and caught me scrutinizing him, but he didn't seem the least bit uncomfortable. Since my eyes provided few clues as to what this whole thing was about, I decided to give my ears a shot. Excuse me, but am I supposed to know you? That's a good question. He smiled to himself, I guess. I'd say the answer is yes. I'm sorry, but 
I've never met you, as far as I can remember. That's true. I looked around the room, waiting for the guys to jump out from behind the lattice, or maybe from the men's room. But no one hid behind the lattice. As for the men's room, I turned my attention to the guy across the table. Come at me again. You are... Jesus. My family called me Yeshua. Your family from... Nazareth. Of course. Well, I grew up there. I wasn't born there. No, of course not. That would have been in... Bethlehem. But we didn't stay long before we left for Egypt. That was about all I needed to hear. This guy was a nut. Without saying a word, I got up, retraced my steps, passed the lattice, took a right, and entered the bathroom. Mr. Ravioli was rinsing off his sleeve, but besides him, no one. Backing out, I momentarily considered cracking the door to the women's room, but I wasn't that desperate to find Lesson Bill. I took a left and peeked through the circular window to the kitchen. Nothing. I paused, scanned the restaurant, and deciding this warranted a more direct approach, returned to the table. Look, I said, sitting on the edge of my chair. I've got better things to do tonight than have some mystery dinner with... Who are you really, and what's going on here? My question had an unintended edge. After all, the guy hadn't done anything to me except meet for dinner. I know this isn't quite what you expected, but I think if you give this evening a try, you'll find it meaningful. Of course, I retorted. Who wouldn't find a dinner with Jesus meaningful? Last week I had dinner with Napoleon. Socrates the week before. But Jesus, thank you so much for coming all the way from the Holy Land. I realized my voice was carrying more than I wanted. The two women had turned our way. He sat silently.